0: Hi guys, welcome back to another episode. I am really bloody excited for this one today. I was about to say I have Taylor in the studio, but I don't. It's over Zoom today. We've got another Zoom one. I keep finding that I'm interviewing people from different states, which is great. It's great to be able to connect and have really good conversations, even if it is over Zoom. I have Taylor Williams with me. Taylor plays for the Adelaide Thunderbirds in the state netball team. They just won a premiership, actually, so she's a newly- Appointed, I don't know if that's what you say. New premiership player, I guess. Uh, We talk all about how she got involved in elite sport, how she managed to play elite sport while she was going through high school, through uni. We also talk a bit about her work outside of netball as well. So she works for a company called AB Performance Nutrition, and we have a bit of a chat about fueling for exercise, why that's so important. And then at the end of the episode, we probably talk about my favorite part, which is all about how Taylor's endometriosis has impacted her as an elite sports player and this was really interesting kind of listening to her from her perspective and the way that she's had to deal with things and the worry that she's experienced about not making teams if they found out about it or if you know she wasn't up for playing a certain game we also have a bit of a chat about you know the question of fertility at quite a young age or before you're actually ready to have children which I think is super interesting as well and is definitely not something that uh is uncommon for women in particular so I think the This was just an awesome chat all round. I really enjoyed having a chat to Taylor. I feel like I could have talked to her for hours. It was absolutely lovely to have her on. I hope you guys absolutely love this. Thank you, as always, for listening. Enjoy. Welcome, Taylor. Thank you so much for coming on to the health classes you missed today and having a chat with me. I am so stoked that you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I am uh, stoked to be here. And when I say here, obviously, people will be able to tell that this is not In person. (laughs) So we're not actually physically together right now. Where are you? Where are you based? I am in Adelaide, South Australia right now. Amazing. Lovely. Um, And so a big part of what we're going to talk about today is your role as an elite athlete. And a little bit about some endometriosis stuff, some health kind of topics and things like that, which I'm really excited to dive into with you. Now, you play for the Adelaide Thunderbirds, is that right? That is correct. Yes. And so for anyone who doesn't know, that's a netball team. What position do you play?
1: I'm um, a mid-quarter, so predominantly mm-hmm. centre probably at the moment, but yeah. played a bit more wing defence and can play when attack as well if I need
0: to. Okay, so you're like the runner of the team then. Yeah, yeah, it's just
1: too short to play anywhere else. Really, uh, <laughs> <yes>. so. <laughs> that's so good. To yeah. the
0: to the oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I'm i uh, I'm a short girl too, so I I get it. It's um, we sometimes play like staffy students at school, which is really Ooh. fun, but. I have to be sent to the whole game. And I'm like, I don't know how you guys do this. It's bloody hard. Netball is so yeah. hard. But that's awesome. And I did also see that you guys just won, is it the Suncorp? Corp?
1: Yeah, the Suncorp Super Netball Grand Final. Yes! Yeah. Oh
0: my God, how was that? Yeah,
1: yeah, that was crazy. Um, I think it was, we probably didn't expect to win this yeah. year and I guess no one predicted that we would either. So it was probably just a bit of a whirlwind well of a season and... Yeah, obviously, topped it off with the first time we played finals in 10 years, actually. At wow. The
0: club. So, oh, how special is that? Yeah. That's
1: Made amazing. finals. And yeah. A few close games, but yeah, we got over the line in the end, It so was awesome. You guys were the underdogs then? Yeah. Well, yeah, pretty much. Um, I guess, yeah, just not having played finals for a long time. We had a, quite a young team, a lot of us around the similar ages and a uh, bit younger than probably some of the other teams we were playing against yep. in finals. So just probably those things combined, I guess weren't probably expected to win yeah. like we did. But Amazing. Um, yeah, we did.
0: Oh, that's so exciting. And so 10 years, how old are you now? 23. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're, you're young. I was going to say, so you yeah. definitely weren't in the team the last time I played finals. <laughs> no. Not as a 13-year-old? <laughs> uh, uh, no, in the stands watching as, yeah, a 13-year-old yeah. last time. So, oh, my God.
1: Yeah, it was really cool to be out
0: there. How cool is that? And so have you always known that that's kind of something that you wanted to do, be a professional netballer? Um,
1: Probably not, purely because I grew up in the country, um, so on a farm where it probably wasn't as, I guess, visual or you weren't able to see kind of the pathway and that as a career path as such. So I definitely never thought I would be in this situation. And then I guess it wasn't until I got a bit older and started going through a bit of the pathway that... I then potentially saw it as more of an option but when I was younger I was a fangirl and happy watching never thought that I would be there
0: yeah amazing oh that's really that's really nice you're from farmland do you miss it now living in a city yeah I miss aspects of it I like having the space and I guess like the country air and yes, all the, the things frayer. that come with
1: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah And the space and the stuff that you can do on the farm. I probably never wanted to take over the farm or be involved with the hands on stuff that much. So it's nice to go back and visit, but I'm probably, yeah, a bit more comfortable and suited to the city City um, and that life.
0: Yeah. So, how did you actually go from living out in the farm to playing for the Thunderbirds? How did that all happen? Yeah,
1: I'm um, not really sure. No, um, <laughs>
0: Just I one day. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I I guess I probably didn't want to play netball as such when I was younger. I have an older sister, so I was happy watching. And my mum and aunties and everyone all played. So I was always in and around netball and sport. And then it probably wasn't until I was like, yeah, 13, 14 that I was like, oh, I'm really like I love doing this um and want to I guess do as much as I can so then I just got involved with like the academies up at home we have like country champs which is like uh, yeah the country championship where we go to Adelaide once a year and Fine. compete in that and then we had like yeah a academy up at home um that was kind of a rural academy that we kind of combined with a greater country area to run sessions every so often and as part of that we'd have um, what they called an academy games where we'd go to Adelaide and play an around robin tournament in October school holidays and so that was kind of like a week we got to spend in Adelaide which was still some of the best times Um, being involved in that and then it was pretty much from that that you get seen a little bit more with the coaches in Adelaide and it was there that one of the girls asked me to go and trial for the state team and I think at that stage I had no idea what the state team was (laughs) or what it involved or anything about it so yeah I guess didn't want to do it to start with mum was like yep you're gonna do it and I still remember sitting in the car park before the trials being like I do not want to go in yeah so nervous (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I just didn't know anyone either. So it was like going by yourself and then everyone there knows everyone, plays in the city, the selectors know who they are, like that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, that was pretty much where it started and did those trials and got selected in the team for the State 15 side and then went away to Sydney that year. And then kind of that's where the pathway started. And then I played 17s um, for a couple of years, 19s for a couple of years. And then I guess, yeah, played all your underage nationals, did some Aussie development camps and Aussie squad stuff in the under-21 squad, in the World Cup squad. Um, wow. For the under-21s with yeah. that. We didn't end up getting to go away or travel because it was COVID years. it's oh, so
0: annoying. <laughs> so
1: we did that. And then, yeah, when I was like 18, 19 in those um, under-19 squads, I started training with the Thunderbirds as a training partner and kind of involved in the squad and was there for, yeah, like four years before I got my first official contract. And then, yeah, last year was 2021 was my first no, 2022. God, yeah. Oh my God, trainer. what year is it? Yeah. I know.
0: I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. 2022
1: was my first contracted year, um, and just finished my second contracted year. Yeah! Wow!
0: Oh my gosh! What a journey! <laughs> I know. I was like, that's kind of it in a nutshell. There was lots yeah, of yeah, uh, a lot of thrown in there. But up yeah. and downs in there, I'm sure. Oh, yes. that's crazy! Yeah. How cool! And I love that you saying, you know, I was just this girl who came in from the country and I didn't know anyone. And you know, your mum obviously knew she wanted to push you out of your comfort zone a little bit. And then now you're. Part of a team that's just won the first final in ten years, and you won. Like you said, only contracted last year. Like that's huge. Yeah. I'm sure you're not going yeah. anywhere now. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. Yes. Well, I would be very, um, very surprised. That's that's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, it's a yeah, been a bit of process, but definitely all worth it in the end. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, how cool is that? And how cool that sometimes that, like I, I talk about this quite a bit on the podcast, but little decisions. Yeah. Or that might seem small at the time, but then can just shift everything in your life, right? Like that decision for you to go to those tryouts and then all of a sudden you're 23 and you're winning a premiership in the state team like that's insane yeah yeah
1: yeah how amazing. yeah exactly and like just to think that if that one person hadn't told me to go to the trials I would have had no idea that they even existed and yeah been an like,
0: seriously yeah. how cool is that yeah. so netball is not the only thing that you do with your time right no. <laughs> I mean I'm sure it <laughs> takes up a huge chunk of your life what do you do yeah. outside of netball like as work um so at the end of last year I completed
1: my double degree in sport and exercise science, uh, nutrition and food science. Amazing. Um, Quite a uh, long-winded degree, but that's fine. So I just finished that and then I did my sports nutrition course after that. And so I currently work as a sports nutritionist outside of netball. And then randomly, I also work as a learning assistant at um, a sports school. Um, It's kind of like an SSO.
0: Yeah, cool. Yeah. Oh my God, so
1: you're Um, busy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I like to fill my time. Um, So yeah, keeping lots of like different things there, which I like doing. I like that they're all very different and gives me a good balance of all the different things. And then throwing some netball coaching and one-on-one and that kind of stuff around there as well. So lots of different stuff, which is nice. But yeah, predominantly the sports nutrition I work for a good company there's just me and another girl the founder of that and so we work with lots of different athletes and clients and like presentations and school groups and lots of different stuff within that as well which is really cool so I really enjoy that
0: amazing and like you said they're all different but also they all connect so well like that's awesome like the things that you've learned in your degree are like completely relevant to your, you know, your life as an elite athlete as well. And now you get to help other people do the same thing. That is, that's so fantastic. I love it. So how do you actually balance all of that? How do you balance being an elite athlete and doing multiple jobs? This is a question that I get from students a lot who say, you know, we don't like, how do people do this and train and learn and go to school or go to uni and do this and that? So how have you found that over the years? Yeah, definitely trying, like, I
1: have to have everything planned, organised, done kind of in advance so I know where I have to be and when right down to, I guess, the hour or the minute of knowing how much time I've got in between everything and when I have to be and where and travel time. And I think that's something that I've probably got really good at being in the country is we have to sit in the car for two hours or more sometimes to get to Adelaide so it's like you have to allow the traffic and all the uncontrollable things and so you've got to plan all that stuff and so that probably set me up quite well as well as I started working as well as netball from a young age as well as school so it was kind of like from a young age you have to be organized you have to have everything planned I guess yeah to the T I would be Absolutely lost without my phone and my calendar in my phone. Yeah, <laughs> everything goes in there. And if it doesn't go in there, I'm not rocking up. It doesn't exist. <laughs> I forget. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love so, that. Um, yeah, everything in my phone is color coded to people oh, uh, hey? versus work or this work or life or whatever it looks like. Um, but yeah, my phone and everything is written down. The moment someone asks me to do something, it has to go in there. Otherwise, I do forget. So that is my saviour.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, amazing. And that's, I guess, that's a skill people have to learn as well, hey? Being organised. I wish I was like you. (laughs) Not that I am an elite athlete in any sense or have to worry about juggling as much stuff as you have, but geez, I'm exactly the same. If it doesn't, if it's not in my face on the day where, you know, on your phone and it pops up. I'm yeah. I'm the same. I won't, It will not register. Um, yeah. Amazing. So when you're at uni, did you find that to be a really challenging time to balance stuff? Uh, yes.
1: Looking back on it, I think my last year was, i say my easiest, but I had placement and all the other things. So it was probably one of the hardest. But first couple of years, I did four subjects as yep. well as uni, uh, as well as netball and work so looking back at that was like I don't know how I did that and yeah. even like year 12 it's like how did I do year 12 properly and travel to Adelaide every night and stay in Adelaide train in the morning and then drive back to school like yeah, wow. looking back it's like I don't know how I did do that at the time but yeah I think uni was probably good and bad I planned everything that I had to go to I was never the best student I never went to lectures or the oh, who um, does seriously that, yeah that <laughs> (laughs) could watch online. Um, I think COVID probably helped me a little bit as bad as that sounds with lots of stuff going online. So it made it a bit more flexible that I could do it when I want to. I do, unfortunately, it's not a great habit, work very well at night. So being able to do all my stuff I have to get done during the day, netball, the compulsory uni stuff, whatever that looks like, and then at night catching up on everything else and then planning for the next day as well, making sure I've done everything I need to for the next day and what that looks like. So it definitely was challenging at times. And I think doing my placement as well as my subjects in netball, that was quite challenging, but I did drop back work. I didn't really work um, during that kind of six-month block of my last year of uni just because it actually wasn't an option. Like there was not enough hours in the day.
0: Yeah, Um, a million percent.
1: Yeah, and I guess probably with uni, like some subjects were more intense than others. So I did like for most, apart from the first year and a half, I did three subjects. So it was still classified as full time, but not as big of a load. Yeah. With that, so it was a little bit easier. Definitely doing three subjects, and I was so hesitant to do that at the start. I was like, "No, nah, I'm doing four, and I'm getting it done. Like, I'll be fine. I'll survive." And then dropping to three just took a whole subject away, which at the time I was like, "Won't make that much of a difference," but just made the world of difference, and only added an extra year on the end. Yeah, so it made it so much easier that I could still work, have netball, and get a decent chunk of my degree done without dragging it out too long, but still not being completely overloaded.
0: Yeah. But I guess with
1: that, you had to, I had to fully plan what everything looked like down to my social life as well, because if I didn't plan that, that didn't happen either. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, it was definitely challenging at
0: times. I love that that was – an option for you as well right because I think I mean most people at uni would understand that but I think kids that may be a little bit younger wouldn't understand that you can change your units around you can kind of balance it out in that way and that's okay and I think people will take that with you know whatever they're doing regardless of whether they're being an elite athlete like you are but also I think not going with what you originally thought like just get it done because you can bloody burn yourself out, can't you? Like yeah. so easily. And then you yeah. don't know how you would have performed at netball and then you never know what would have happened on the team and whatever else. And so it is – that's like such an important decision, isn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I know the career uh, – Guess kind of person I had with netball and sassy at the time was wanted me to drop back to two. And I was like, no, nah, I'm doing four. Like I was so stuck on it to start with. Yeah. Um, but I guess it's just like, yeah, you've got so many options and like people forget like that might be what you think you want to do now, but people change careers all the time. Like oh, you've got so, so much true. time. Like I was still so young. I was going to finish my degree when I was 21. Yeah. And I finished hey. when I was 22. Yes. Like, I'm still only 22. Like I've got so much time. And yeah. hey, who knows if that's what I want to do with the rest of my life. Like, yeah. and I also, the other thing that got came back to was like, I'm kind of just going through the motions of getting it done for the sake of getting it done, not actually enjoying it and understanding it, and doing as well as I could have liked as well. I know my grades in my first year were terrible. Oh, so am I. Mine. So <laughs> am I. Don't <laughs> stress. Just... <laughs> yeah, and I was like, God, um, how yeah. did I get through that? <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. And I was definitely in the mindset of please get degrees. That's for sure. Ooh, yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I definitely think that, yeah, dropping back and just modifying where you can, like not committing to too much and I guess making sure you do what's absolutely important. But yeah, stretching it out a year was the best thing I did.
0: Yeah. Amazing. I love that. I really bloody love that. I think that, you know, we have to go or you don't have to, but a lot of people go to uni so young, right? And you're just picking something like, I know I picked a degree and I changed it and I'd always known I wanted to be a teacher, and now I'm two years out of teaching and only work part time at a school because I'm doing this and I'm working at a podcast studio. And it's like, it's so you don't actually know where you're going to yeah. end up. And like you said, you you got to enjoy it because yeah. let's be honest, uni's bloody expensive as well. Like you're paying seven grand a bloody subject. At least yeah. learn something and enjoy it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes no I agree a hundred percent agree yeah
0: yep. oh my um, gosh so what's your training schedule look like at the moment um right now it's a Pretty of an interesting question because we
1: don't currently have contracts for next year.
0: Okay. Um, All right. Well, maybe in season. What does it look like in season? (laughs) Yeah, okay. Um, So in season,
1: we're we're pretty lucky with the way that we set our schedule up this year. It was pretty consistent. Generally, you play um, on a Saturday night afternoon slash night or a Sunday um, lunchtime afternoon. And so depending on kind of what time, there's pretty much the four time slots and that's it of, across those two days. And then we just had like a yeah Monday review, recovery, any extra work that you needed to do on the Monday. Tuesday, Thursday were our big kind of days. We had our review um, analysis coming up for the week ahead, our uh, big court session, our gym session, and anything else we needed to do at the club, with like massage or anything, say the physio, that stuff. Um, that kind of happens on a Tuesday and a Thursday. Those days look pretty similar. And then Wednesday was our dedicated day off during the week. And then so that's when I worked at Cedar. And then Friday was but more of a travel day, captain's run, extra training session, whatever that kind of looks like with it when we played and then travel and stuff around that. So um, pretty consistent which was nice that made it nicer to plan everything around it
0: yeah it's
1: probably the pre-season it's a bit more hectic with training sessions and a bit more full days more like every day and we have weekends off so that becomes a bit harder with working and the extra stuff but in season it's yeah a bit more consistent which makes planning everything else around it easier
0: yeah wow it's it's hectic though hey yeah, Big yeah. on schedule. I mean, as is expected at the at the level that you're at and everything. Um, awesome. I have kind of a question off topic a little bit. Yeah. So I know you mentioned you're in sports nutrition. Yes. Tips off the top of your head for people who are into sport, playing sport, into lots of physical fitness and activity, for what to eat and how to fuel themselves like do you know where I'm going with this I don't yeah, know yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, don't. I do now around the fueling stuff yeah,
1: yeah absolutely yeah um yeah I think that's that's literally what I do all the time essentially with individual clients and I think the biggest thing we go back to is everyone's um requirements and preferences and everything are very different yeah but Pretty much what we work off of um, our model and a lot of what we do at AB Performance Nutrition is based around, I guess, building um, healthy snacks or healthy meals with, I guess, understanding the four key elements that we like to include, which are carbs, protein, healthy fats and colour. And so we like to make sure we cover those four things in any meal specifically and then making sure i guess the biggest thing probably to emphasize with that is the carbs and the carbohydrates and they provide all our energy and help with everything whether that's energy for playing sport or concentration at work or that is they are very very important and so cutting out carbs is not the best thing for
0: you yes. um uh, public service announcement <laughs> yes uh, maybe a um unpopular opinion for some <laughs> not opinion yes. a fact but yes <laughs> yes yeah no definitely so yeah and then
1: I guess yeah using those four models to build I guess with your preferences and what you like and the types of foods pre-training um we want to make sure we're using lots of fast digesting carbohydrates. So more things with like your lower fiber and lower fat options, white rice, white bread, jam, honey, dried fruit, fruit, anything like that. And then post-training more protein rich foods, um, milk based drinks are really good post-training for hydration and uh, protein and recovery. And good chocolate milk. is Yes. Yeah, love a good love chocolate milk. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so that kind of post-training and then I guess, yeah, around it making sure you're fueling enough to uh, support whatever your day looks like and training demands look like. That's probably something we do see a lot, especially probably more in females is the under-fueling and not actually consuming enough and a lot of people are quite surprised at how much they do need to eat for their training demands um, once it's actually worked out in the numbers. So yeah.
0: Cool. Thank you. That's awesome. So that is like a purely selfish question as well, right? (laughs) Because I'm training for my first marathon and I'm like, great. All right. Ah. What can I get out of you? Absolutely. No, amazing. That's, um, yeah, that's, that's awesome. And you're so right with not knowing how much you're supposed to bloody eat because... Let me tell you, anyone listening to this who maybe is like me and just like, oh, you know, kind of, I mean, as a PE teacher, we learn about all of this at a base level anyway. But like specific to myself, I don't pay that much attention, right? Unless I'm doing something like what I'm doing now. And oh, my goodness, it comes at a bit of a surprise. But you said it was AB Sports Nutrition that you're working at. Yeah. Yes. Cool. And yeah, I'll put cool. that in the show okay. notes. So if anyone wants to uh contact you to, you know, work with you or the yeah. other girl in in that space, especially if anyone listening is um maybe a netballer or wanting to be a netballer. I know you probably work with everyone, but I think that yeah. could be pretty cool as well. Um so yeah. that'll be in there. Thank you for that. That's uh that's a good little tip. Yeah. Thanks. When are you doing your marathon? So I've got Melbourne Marathon. I think it's the 16th of October. So I'm nearly at, yeah, just yeah. seven weeks. Oh my God. So it's close. Yeah. scary to say out yeah. loud. Yeah. I'm in the thick of training. I'll be tapering off soon, which is a bit yeah. scary. Um, awesome. Yeah. Terrified. I'm just trying to get through it.
1: Yeah. To, yeah Can I um it? ask
0: a selfish question again? Of uh, are you
1: eating anything or having anything during your long run? Like yes, during so
0: I, run? I take my gels. Awesome. Yes, high GI. Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah, I have gels and Gatorade uh, midway, yep. obviously some water as well. Um, yep. But yeah, definitely need that. You can feel such yes. a difference. And so I, hard. yeah, I know some people who run and they are like, oh no, I don't take anything. And I'm like, how on earth? You take a little gel and you're like, oh, I have yeah. so much energy again. This is, yeah. I mean, your legs still feel like absolute jelly, but you're going. So that's all that matters. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what's the thing when they have it? It's like, oh, wow, this is what I tend to like when I just eat some good
1: food. Yeah. Like Can you explain
0: connection? the importance of that? Just in case anyone listening to this is like, what well, mm. the bloody hell is a gel? Can you just talk yeah. about why that's important? mid mid exercise yeah
1: so i think the focus of the gel is in it includes those fast digesting carbs and obviously is a quick and convenient way when you're running to consume that it provides lots of um, those carbohydrates that we spoke about there's lots of different ways you can do that obviously gel is the option you choose gels are probably not something we recommend for anyone under 18
0: okay Um, interesting
1: Yeah, we don't kind of – we try and steer away from supplement-based foods for anyone under 18 just because you can get them from uh, the same, I guess, amount of carbohydrates and what we need from food-based sources that provide – I guess, other nutrients um, for our bodies as well. And so, yeah, the gel is that option, which, yeah, are still um, a great option, especially for someone like you. Um, But the same things like dried fruit, some um, lollies off the top of my head, like muesli bars, Powerade, Gatorade, those types of things, fruit juice, they're all kind of, yeah, some good options to have. Um, But, yeah, it's just finding something that suits the individual and what sits well in their stomach as well and I guess food preferences of what they like but yeah those gels that you talk about are a convenient and really easy way to get in the right amount of carbohydrates as well.
0: Yeah cool I have been learning a lot about that and about why the timing is so important of that as well. I I teach this to my students too, and a few of them were like, Oh, so that's why we have oranges half time at footy. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. yeah, that's why you have lollies and oranges. Like, that's exactly yeah. right. <laughs> Which is yeah. yeah, so funny. They were like, Oh, I just thought we were having a snack, like get the buddy, the glucose yeah. and whatever else. So, um, no, awesome. Yeah. So, top tip, speaking of younger people. I know there's going to be some people listening to this that are maybe thinking, I would love to be an elite athlete as I get older. Maybe some people are more my age plus thinking, oh, I would like to, you know, get a fitness goal of of this. Like me running a marathon, that's been a fitness goal for me for ages. So maybe it's something along those lines. What kind of tips would you give more specifically young people looking to become maybe an elite athlete or, or push into that area?
1: First of all, number one would be find something you enjoy. I think I didn't want to play netball to start with. And my mum was like, fine, don't play netball. That's fine. I loved basketball. um, I played that, but never pushed me to do anything I didn't want to do. So I always highlight that with any young people that I'm talking to is you've got to find something that you enjoy and that you want to do it. There's no point doing it for someone else or because you think you have to or there's so many different options out there, anything from running and I guess those kind of individual swimming, um, individual-based kind of exercise or you still can do them with a group if you want the group um, element of it, you've got like your team based sports or your partner based sports, or there's so many different options. I loved playing all different sports when I grew up and all for lots of different reasons. I swam um, and did athletics and all those kind of stuff at school, as well as the team based sports and anything I could get a chance to do. But I kind of stuck with netball probably because of the people that I met and the sport itself that I really enjoyed playing it I enjoyed the team aspect of it you have to use pretty much all seven players on court maybe get away with that using one or two but (laughs) for the majority you have to use everyone is a real team-based sport um so yeah I think really enjoyed it which was the number one reason that I stuck at it for so long um yeah so that would definitely probably yeah be my number one To reiterate, Um, especially for young people, I feel like we drop off, especially around that 15, 16 year old mark, potentially because we're not in the right environment with the people around us in the team that we're playing in or what that looks like for the individual. So it's like finding somewhere you feel comfortable and that you enjoy and using exercise as a positive way to stay healthy and happy whether yeah whatever that looks like for the individual I guess yeah definitely be my number one and then number two kind of alongside that is surround yourself with really good people friends family whatever that looks like for you I had a really great support system of family members um, and friends that drove me around and did everything I needed to when I was young so I definitely wouldn't be here without them so yeah shout out to mum and dad for <laughs> yeah. always, always driving me everywhere Love that. Um, but, yeah, definitely I, yeah, wouldn't have been there without their support and my family's support. So, yeah, finding your circle and um, sticking with them for sure.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I love that advice of finding what you like because I think, like you said, so relevant for younger people as well, but also relevant for everyone yeah. um, in terms of coming into sport as an older person who maybe hasn't tried things before, I had a a recent episode of one of my How's Your Head episodes with a a girl who just started footy this year and she's 28, I think. Yeah, yeah, late 20s, um, never really played team sport before and just decided to give AFL a crack and, like, so cool, right? And that's the thing. It's, like, you don't have to box yourself into one thing, especially when you're young because if you're, like, You know, I was the exact same where I played a million different sports when I was younger, and you do like some better than the others. And it's like stick with what you love. Continue with what you love and – I mean it's okay to play a million all the way through to your adulthood if that's what you love as well. But um yeah. yeah, I think that's that's a really, really great message. I um yeah, yeah I love that. And yeah, shout out to all the, the mums and dads who have kids who just yeah. play sport and sport and sport and sport and sport. Because, yeah. Oh my god, I think yeah. about it now and I'm like, Jesus. I like, am one of three and like mum yeah. and dad were just rolling around at all times, picking one of us up from something.
1: Raised <laughs> yeah. a Yeah. No, I'm definitely lucky I had um the Opportunities as a kid, and a lot of people don't have that. And so, I am very grateful and aware that I am very lucky to have that. Yeah, yeah, like I said, even like as an adult or where you are at now, if you you have the ability, there's so many different ways like everything, like even like netball, like netball has walking netball now. So, it's like the older, yeah, that's awesome. There's a walking version that you know, I had to jump. And or run and so it's all walking, so it's like essentially no impact, um, which is everything netball is unfortunately niche, yep. <laughs> so bad with. Yep. Um so yeah, I guess just finding those different things um that suit you and yeah, whatever age of life that is, you're never too old to try no, something different.
0: A million percent. I love that message, I think that's fantastic. So the next thing I want to speak to you about, which I'm, I'm excited to dive into this with you in particular. Now, I've covered this in an episode before, um, but I think it is really interesting hearing from someone in a, an elite sporting environment. You have been quite open online about your endometriosis. Um, And so firstly, I mean, for those of you who maybe haven't listened to that episode, which why the bloody hell not, but um, (laughs) who maybe don't know what endo is, can you explain firstly what endometriosis is?
1: Oh, can I preface this as I'm not a medical professional. Oh, my gosh, of course, wrong, of course, of course, of course, no. I mean. <laughs> but just kind of what the, the gist <laughs> yeah, is, yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so essentially, it's endometriosis is when the cells that um, line the endometrium are found in other areas of your body when um, I guess it comes to your period those cells in your uterus regenerate and no matter where they're found in your body bleed so if that's on your bowel your bladder or wherever that is those kind of Cells uh, have the same action that they're meant to have in your uterus, which obviously causes lots of pain and discomfort and that is very different for everyone. I guess the signs and symptoms that they have, but it is, yeah, essentially that's the gist of it and everyone's symptoms and experiences with it are, yeah, are different.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, hearing that, I'm sure people listening are thinking, geez, how does that work with you being an elite athlete and we'll talk a little bit about maybe the symptoms that you've had and again we do want to preface that I mean neither of us are a medical professional and this is all purely based on personal experience for you um and like everything oh my god it is so individual which is just which makes things very hard right it would be a lot easier if everyone just had the same thing going on but it doesn't work that way now I am particularly interested to hear your kind of experience because of the physicality of your whole life as being yeah, an athlete right and you know yeah. I think there there obviously is a difference in maybe having an office job and, and having to deal with this versus doing really really intense training not to say either of them is worse or better than the yeah. other but I just yeah. think in terms of the physicality of what you have to do day to day how has endometriosis impacted that aspect of your life uh yes big um, question <laughs> correct
1: big <laughs> question yeah. and um i think for me i've it's been a journey pretty much um and it is kind of a bit of a cliche word but it kind of was to the point of getting a diagnosis as well and then what that looks like after and everything else that is involved is a journey. I definitely don't help myself playing elite sport with, um, putting, I guess my body is my job essentially. Yeah. Um, if I'm not fit or if I'm not healthy, if I've got injuries or whatever that looks like and I'm not performing, I don't have a job. Yeah. Um, so I guess that is a element of it that is potentially a little bit hard to grasp with, which, probably hasn't helped me at times with talking about it and expressing exactly how bad it has been at times because I have been so cautious that it could affect my career as well. I think me now managing it, since I had my surgery, I have been... A little better. The first four months post-surgery were a breeze, like the best four months of my life, pretty much. I but see. I have since worked out that is because they put a very large amount of muscle relaxants into you when you have surgery. Uh. So it just relaxes everything and makes everything feel really good, which was great at the time. Um, But then, yeah, probably after that four month mark started to get a bit more of the signs and symptoms back. Um, But the thing with endo is you have obviously that pain caused specifically by those cells and how that relates, but then you have a lot of, like there's a whole thing into like pain mechanisms and stuff, but with the nerve endings and how they see it, whether it is pain during your period caused from the bleeding or if it's from, I guess, yeah, your uterus or your things around that causing the pain. Um, There's lots of different types of pain caused with endo that the cause varies depending on the time of month, where you're at with your cycle, how that relates. So I think a big thing for me has been working out what the pain is the type of pain is to work out how I can best help manage that at the time so I've done a lot especially more recently um a bit before surgery and now since having surgery with a um pelvic floor physio and that's been really good. So I guess retraining the pelvic floor, which sounds weird because often you talk about pelvic floor with people that are just had like babies. Yeah, post-pregnancy.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, for me it was more because I have been an athlete for so long, so active and so I guess tense in my sport and that I needed to do a lot of down training, um, down regulating to relax everything to, I guess, not get so worked up that any sign of pain or whatever that looked like was to, yeah, down-train, down-regulate to help with some of my pelvic pain. But then, yeah, I guess there's managing the bleeding pain and the pain that's caused with the bleeding. So finding different ways to try and, I guess, reduce or combat what that is kind of like as well. So there's, again, yeah, lots of different elements to it and everyone has, I guess, different pain or the different kind of elements depending on what they have the most issue with. Mm-hmm. I think for me I haven't also been confirmed, but I just saw a new gynecologist and she thinks I have adenoid meiosis as well.
0: Yeah. Um yeah.
1: Which essentially is nothing you can really do about that until you have a hysterectomy. And yeah. hopefully I don't want to have one of them anytime soon. So, yeah, so that hard. has then I guess meant anything I've tried to use to manage my endo because my biggest issue is when I have my bleeding um and most of the time I bleed for at least 10 days if not up to three weeks at a time three so weeks that I do that. Yeah, yeah I had one chunk during the season that was yeah about four weeks by the end of it and I was like what is going on yeah. but It just means essentially anything that i try i used to my friends in high school be like i'm on the pill and i just skip the pills and i don't get my period but there's just nothing that i've tried and i've tried absolutely everything that stops the bleeding for me and that's just my experience everyone is different but now i'm just still potentially trying to find a way to stop the bleeding with some of the new medication that's coming out but then it's just managing, all right, I'm bleeding, I've got this pain, what are the best things for me to manage
0: it? Yeah.
1: Which I'm still not an expert at and I'm still learning all the time. Still so. learning
0: how to manage it, absolutely. Yeah. And, God, it is just absolutely crazy. I heard this somewhere the other day, I'm not sure what I was listening to, but, I mean, it said been said many, many times before that women's health issues are so new when it comes to research and, and medication that actually bloody works. Right. Yeah. Because we've all had things that have just masked yes. Like the pill, yeah. right? It has masked yeah. so much for so many people. And then all of a sudden maybe you get to an age where you're coming off it or whatever their situation is and things like endometriosis or PCOS pop up and yeah. all of a sudden you've got these symptoms and whatever else. And God, it's hard. It's yeah. bloody hard. And how how has that been, you know, hearing that as a 23-year-old and thinking, what does this mean? Like, how, how do you go with that?
1: Yeah, I think I was probably, like, there was a long time coming mm. getting my diagnosis, so it's probably a bit longer to deal with it. But there's still so many, like, what-ifs, unknowns, how is this going to, like, affect my ability to have children or, yeah. um, like, fertility long-term or am I even going to be able to have children at all, like, years you have no idea how much of an impact it's going to have long-term, but then also it's like managing it for the now. Like, yeah, there's just so much that, and because no one has the same experience or no one has the same symptoms or you can't just say this is exactly where this is sore because stomach region is so large. It's not like a finger that I can point to this knuckle and this is where it's sore. So I guess trying to explain that to people as well can be really hard at times for anyone um, trying to pinpoint exactly what it is. So, yeah, it's like still constant appointments, different trying to see different people if they've got different ideas. I've just signed up to a research study, which hopefully is quite exciting for trying to find a method for endometriosis that is not invasive because currently the only way to diagnose, well, the only approach like
0: it pop- is the only way formation. to diagnose is surgery, right? yeah. Yeah. Diagnose it is with surgery. official yeah. diagnosis anyway i yes. guess yeah yeah exactly wow.
1: which is just ridiculous that it affects one in nine women and we still don't actually have a non-invasive detection method um yeah so the <laughs> university of adelaide are doing a study at the moment actually with using mri to see if they can um, find a new method. So I just signed up for that um, a couple of days ago and hopefully they are doing some really good work in finding more of that, I guess, yeah, detection method to be able to treat it appropriately because the amount of people that are either diagnosed diagnosed with endo or not diagnosed with it that are treated correctly or incorrectly or just knowing what it is can help. I guess, manage it so much better than, okay, we think it's that, so we'll try this, but it could be something completely different or it could be endo and they're saying it's not. And, yeah, you just have no idea without that actual confirmation. Yeah. And so finding that absolutely will be a great step forward. But, yeah, just having a pill to, I guess, mask it and, yep, all right, have that and go away, like, is not I guess the best. Well, not not a method at all that should be used.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: but um, yeah, definitely, lots more research needs to go into the area to be able to understand it, to be able to treat it, and yeah, knowledge is power in this area, um, and we just don't have very much of it at the moment, unfortunately.
0: No, I know it is. It's it's hard so bloody hard and and you're right you know talking about you know if I hurt my finger I can just say it's my finger especially I mean anyone in the stomach area there's a million things going on anyway but for females in particular like there it's so bloody complicated in there it's like what is going on it could be a million different options and it is absolutely ridiculous that there isn't Another option to diagnose, especially because it is so common, like you said. But I mean, it is wonderful to hear things, you know, like um, who's doing the study? Did you say University of Adelaide?
1: Adelaide yeah a professor
0: there yeah Yeah, which is like that's absolutely fantastic obviously to hear that there is more research and, and is people or there are people working towards getting answers and stuff like that so hopefully there's a bit of positivity to come from from that for you and and for everyone who bloody experiences any kind of period pain or endometriosis or anything along those lines I know like we, we've talked about in terms of management that again, it's going to be different for everyone. Did you ever find yourself pre-game thinking, Oh my God, how am I going to bloody get out there? Yes. Yeah. yeah. What did you um, do to help yourself when that was happening?
1: Yeah, I think it happened a couple of times this year, actually. Yeah. I thought I was going really well. And then the start of the season hit, And for me, the first couple of days, are the worst by far. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately day one hit me game day. And of course. Uh, yeah. Annoying, always isn't it? yeah. yeah. <laughs> um I think now I have a couple of pain meds slash medications that I take that help a little bit with reducing the bleeding as well as um, helping a bit with the pain. And so it's making sure I stay on top of that, have enough of them, which to start with I was so cautious and I guess – not as keen to take those things, yeah. um, but now it's just like it's the only thing that helps, like why not take them? I needed it in that situation, absolutely needed it, did what I can. Um, I think from my nutrition perspective, I it has helped me a little bit loading up on way more energy, um, high-energy-based drinks especially, eating more food, including heaps more carbohydrates than I normally would, more caffeine, all those things that I normally do, but probably doubling them to kind of combat everything that my body's trying to deal with at the time and still be physically with it. Um and still trying to put my best performance out there, which was definitely not my best performances in those games for sure. Um, I think it comes with there's so much going on inside your body at that stage that it's you often you don't get the sleep the same sleep or recovery that you do normally. So that doesn't that starts you off on the wrong foot right from the start. And then yeah, I guess in those physical games running as well as Bodying up against players and what that looks like, or well, I guess that kind of thing, is like really challenging and not something that I would wish on anyone to have to go through when they're dealing with something like that. Yeah. So it's yeah, I have a really good some of the medical staff around me. My physio is amazing at the club and so is SNC. So getting them on board with where I'm at making sure they know where I am. I was a bit hesitant to also tell my teammates and coaches because I don't want them to think that then that kind of rules me out for the game. Yeah, um,
0: the yeah. Thing
1: and still, yeah, try and put my best foot forward rather than make it an excuse or a reason that I can't play or won't play as well. So keeping the people that can help me in the loop and then, yeah, doing what I can to also separate the two Netball's was a bit of my outlet as well so being able to still go to netball and be like all right I'm feeling crap I haven't had a good sleep I'm not in any shape that I want to be in to play this game but I love netball I love the people that I play with it's fun I'll just go out there and do what I can in the situation that I am I prepared myself in the best way I can with what I have um Still not ideal at times, but um, I guess yeah, as cliche as it sounds, controlling what I can control.
0: Yes, and control the controllables. We love that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah,
1: setting myself up in the best way I can with what I've got, knowing it's probably not going to be my best game. But sometimes it is. Like you just never know with how it's going to turn out. So yeah. yeah,
0: I love that attitude, though. I I do really like that. The you know you just got to do the best with what you've got at the time and I think that's such a thing with women's sport I know we obviously just had the Matildas absolutely smash it and there's so many big conversations about women's sport at the moment which is amazing um should have happened earlier but whatever that is fantastic you know especially for Australia where there's so many and I'm going to be very general here but uh males in particular who kind of write it off and definitely not just males but I think. Um, Based on the comments on Facebook, you can kind of get an idea of who is in support of a lot of women's sport and who is not as much or maybe has a little bit more to learn. And I feel like a lot of people would never, ever, ever bloody consider that athletes like you might be going through something like that. Yeah. One because it's not something that is spoken about, so it's absolutely amazing that you are shining light on this and being like, "Hey, this is something that that I have to deal with and that is, you know, common for women." Would you say one in nine experience endometriosis? Like that's that's insane. Yeah. And two, that that affects your whole performance sometimes, and that is something that's that has to come into play. And you know, not only. Do people have to get their periods in general? You then might have something going on like endometriosis or PCOS or whatever else. You maybe are pregnant. You might have just had a baby and are coming back to sport. like, And even not elite athletes, you know, it's it's oh, just yeah. – it's absolutely insane. It's a totally different game, isn't it? It's, yeah. a, it's a totally different thing because it's like, well – a lot of people who you know I say penis owners all the time don't have to deal with this stuff. it's not it's not the same and it's yeah, I think it's just so bloody important that that there are you know players like you who are like, hey, this is going on it it gets easier for other people to understand when they're educated about it and I think you know you doing that is is super important. so kudos to you.
1: <laughs> Thank you, yeah, I think it's took me a long time to get to this point and still talking about it is scary. Yeah. Because I think Nepal in particular, it's so cutthroat. Like, there's no – like, we don't have a very big league. Yeah. Uh, there's not – we have internationals included as well as the Aussie-based girls. There's only eight teams of ten. Yeah. So eight spots in the best league in the world. Like, it's – I guess I've never wanted to uh, be – a reason why I don't get a contract over someone who doesn't have those extra issues yeah. kind of thing and I guess to start with speaking about it was like oh that's just a reason why we don't want Taylor on our team kind of thing And yeah. uh, it, it is you're right because it's just not spoken about and it's not made normal which is something that we all have to deal with like any we're a female dominated sport everyone it has to deal with that. Like it is, yeah. should just be a normal thing and something that is spoken about more often. So hopefully that it has it has got better absolutely. And um, but we've still got a long way to go in making that more of a normal conversation.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it look, it's so good to hear that you've been supported through that, and and that there are you know people around you that are there checking in on you and making sure you're okay, and and all of that good stuff. I think that is you know, such a step in the right direction. So that's really, really bloody awesome to hear. Thank you so much for spending the time with me. I think we've gone five minutes over time, but I, I feel like I could bloody talk to you all day. Um, no, I really, really
1: quickly. Yeah, doesn't
0: it? No, I, I am really, really glad that I've been able to, to have this chat with you. And I appreciate you so much for taking the time out of your night to, to sit here and chinway with me for an hour and talk about all this stuff that is so important and so interesting. And, um, yeah, that just thank you. Um, yeah, really appreciative. No,
1: it's been so good. Thank you so much for having me on. No stress. Bye.
0: See ya. Hey team, I hope you enjoyed this episode. It would be a huge help for me and the health classes you missed if you could like, follow or subscribe wherever you are listening. And of course, if you want to keep learning and stay up to date with me, make sure you come and follow me at the health classes you missed on Instagram or THCYM and how's your head on TikTok. I've actually got two TikTok accounts now, so make sure you follow both of those to get all of that content. Thanks, guys. See you later.